So I wanted to share some thoughts this evening um, about being ourselves, being yourself. Um, and this, this came into my mind a few months ago. Uh, I'd watched a movie uh, called Gentlemen Broncos. It was directed by Jared Hess. Um, it was the same person who directed Napoleon Dynamite, which is a movie I really liked. Um, didn't like it the first time I watched it, but, but it grew on me for sure. Um, <clears throat> it also had uh, Gentlemen Broncos, the movie had in it uh, Jermaine Clement, uh, who is in Flight of the Concords. Uh, who's an incredibly funny guy. So I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to watch this movie, and, and uh, uh, maybe it'll be similar to Napoleon Dynamite, and I'll come to love it. Uh, it was not. <laughs> I finished the movie, and I thought to myself, boy, this is a bad movie. <laughs> it just, it's, it's not for me. Um, but then I realized, I was like, you know what? That movie was probably exactly what it wanted to be. It was just that I didn't necessarily like it, right? But for being itself, that movie got an A+. And for Jared Hess, the director, he, you know, in as much as it turned out the way that he expected it to, he probably loves that movie, right? But I was judging it on what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be kind of like Napoleon Dynamite. In some ways it was. But I didn't really like it. Right? And I realized that, goodness, we do that to ourselves, don't we? That we're always expecting, you know, that our, our lives are going to turn out uh, some very specific way. Or that if we don't act in a, in a very specific way, that we've somehow failed. Right? We give ourselves low ratings. Um, <clears throat> because we often have very unrealistic standards of perfection for ourselves or the expectations of others which can be very nefarious um, because we're always trying to be what they want us to be as opposed to who we actually are um, and because of that we have a tendency to reject the parts of ourselves that we don't like and that causes suffering because we are a disintegrated person, right? We're trying to push out certain parts of ourselves. And a few weeks ago, um, Osho Mike and I gave a series of talks on, on some of the mindfulness models that we use in our order. Um, and, and one that we covered was on the self-esteem, uh, self-confidence model. And, and the, the essence of that, that model, that way of thinking is that we, we, we sometimes orient ourselves to self-esteem, which is our true self, that sort of absolute Buddha nature side of ourselves. And sometimes we're oriented to the self-confidence um, or ego self, relative part of our being. Um, but we need both of those, right? Uh, the, the, the illustration that we use for that model is two wings of one bird. Right? And a bird can't fly with one wing, just flaps in circles. 
right? So that means that you can't completely orient yourself to the true self all the time, and you can't necessarily orient yourself to the ego self all the time, right? Because you'll just fly in a circle. But one of the important lessons of that model is to call out the fact that, look, there is a self, right? And I know, I, I know I've heard from a lot of folks, and goodness, this was even me when I was earlier on in my, in my journey uh, <coughs> studying these teachings. People sometimes misinterpret the Dharma as saying there's not a self, right? We have to kill the self. There's no self. Um, but there is, right? That self, that ego self, um, albeit temporary and interdependent, I mean, it doesn't last forever, doesn't stand on its own, but there is a self. It's that conditioned part of us. It's that part of us that doesn't like certain movies. It's that part of us that likes or doesn't like certain kinds of music, right? But the goal is not to suppress that self, you know, and say, well, let me just see if I can do, do as little with that as I can and, and really orient myself to my true self. But the goal is to accept that self and to love it for what it is. And, you know, it's hard because we see images of the Buddha. We see statues and paintings of the Buddha and the Buddha always looks so calm and serene, right? And sometimes we practice and we think that being a Buddhist means that we need to be these sort of like perfect, unbothered beings, right? And undoubtedly, uh, and, and, and hopefully, you know, many of you have experienced this too, through our practice, <coughs> pardon me, we do chill out a bit, right? We do become a bit more serene. But it doesn't mean that life is going to be like that all the time. Because while we are all Buddhas, we're not statues. We're not frozen images, right? Life gets tricky. We get tricky. And sometimes in our spiritual pursuits, we feel like we need to reject that ego self and focus on this kind of higher transcendental self because we feel like, oh, this ego self, this all of these wants and desires and all of this turmoil is holding me back so I need to get rid of that somehow and there's a there's a, a phrase for that kind of extreme rejection of the self it was coined in the 1980s by a, a psychologist and therapist named John Wellwood and it's called spiritual bypassing essentially what that is it means that people ignore their their ego self the mundane things to focus only on the metaphysical matters but this can cause a lot of suffering because the self is still there, right? All that stuff goes on just because you're not thinking, even if you're not thinking about it. <clears throat> and if we're denying our self, our ego self, we're denying ourselves the opportunity to accept and work on ourselves, to stay healthy, to be compassionate to ourselves, to be compassionate to the people immediately around us because we're always looking out there as opposed to in here and to be a fully integrated person to fly with both of the wings of the true self and the ego self instead of an extreme rejection of the ego self we need a radical acceptance of the ego self 
but you may think to yourself, and goodness knows I've thought this plenty of times myself, but hey, there's, there's some not great stuff about me, right? There's some things that I don't like. There's some things that other people don't like. So there's some bad stuff I carry with me. Well, the, the first thing I would say there is let's be very careful around that word bad. Let's examine that just very briefly. Because uh, we want to make sure that we're not just laboring under some long-standing beliefs inst instilled by things that happened to us in the past, past traumas and things like that. Maybe an ex, uh, an ex-girlfriend who said, oh, they, they don't like that certain trait of yours. Or a parent who punished a certain behavior. Uh, we talked about the, the uh, um, transpersonal model, the parent-adult-child model, and how that can be tricky, right? Um, or maybe a time where you suffered a loss, you know, lost a job because of some situation or something that you did. So you're thinking, oh, I have these things, the garbage, right? I got to get rid of all of this. You know, forget that exists. And yeah, we all have tendencies, habits, patterns that are less skillful, right? We all have these things. Fiery tempers. We eat too much. We spend our money irresponsibly. We're obsessed with sex. We're lazy. We're vain, right? Pick one. <laughs> we all have things that we may not like about ourselves. They don't make us bad people. They don't mean that we need to reject ourselves. On the contrary, we need to accept those things in order to be able to work with them. <coughs> Pardon me. So if you have a bad temper, and this is something that was uh, uh, something that, that I've dealt with, a lot of people who don't know me for a long time find that hard to believe, but, but you know, goodness, as a young hockey player, I sure did have a temper. Then we need to bring attention to those moments where we feel that anger flaring up, right? Instead of just letting that habit, that habit and that pattern kind of run itself, uh, instead of letting that sensation of anger flow into actions where I say or do something maybe where I, that I regret, you know, we can notice. And we slow down and we say, oh, I got angry there. I felt angry just then. I'm a person who sometimes gets angry. And so that's something I need to consciously work on. If we ignore that, if we suppress that knowledge that we sometimes get angry and just think, ah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't like that part of myself, so I'm just going to shove that away. We won't take the time to understand why it happens and to work with it. And then it becomes something that causes suffering for ourselves and for other people. But here's the thing. Acceptance, accepting those parts of ourselves doesn't mean indulging those, those parts of ourselves, right? To accept ourselves, warts and all, doesn't just mean that we give ourselves over to all of those habits and things, right? I've accepted that I'm an angry person, so I'm just going to spend all my time being angry because that's who I am. I can't help it, right? That's just me. Um, no, it's actually the opposite of that. It means that you are bringing yourself to a place by that acceptance where <coughs> you can uh, uh, practice, right? You can practice changing the way that you react when those things come up. You can make those habits a part of your practice, which is compassionate to yourself. And it's a mindfulness practice, right? And acceptance 
as, as you can probably tell, it's not a passive activity, right? Um, there's often responsibility attached with, with uh, uh, acceptance. You don't accept something you plan to not do anything with, right? Think of Mission Impossible. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, right? They didn't just say, cool, got this mission, just going <laughs> to set it over there and not do anything with it. No, it means that now you know what you have to do because you've accepted that part of yourself. So it's an active process. And <clears throat> pardon me, as I was preparing for this talk, I noticed in the mindfulness models, there's a smaller text that there, the words conscious and unconscious were written on some of the, the mindfulness models, typically conscious related to the true self and unconscious related to the ego self. Because some of the things that trip us up are those unconscious things that just sort of are happening all the time, right? Uh, they happen without us noticing or being able to do much about it. So when we live from our true self or our Buddha nature, it's a conscious act. It's something that you have to work on. Because if you're never working on it, that's all this unconscious drive, this ego stuff that gets the better of us, right? That's why we use phrases like working with it or part of our practice. Those are active things. Those are actions that we're taking to reduce suffering. Uh, they happen <coughs> because the things that trip us up, like I said, can be very, very unconscious and inactive. That's why we do what we do, though, is because we're not trying to bypass the ego self and just hope that everything falls into place magically, right? But by accepting the ego self, the true self can be seen in our daily actions. The true self can come through our ego self. We open those pathways. We unblock those pathways. And we can take conscious action then. So, be yourself. Don't bypass yourself. Don't give yourself a low rating uh, just because you're not the movie you think you should be. Right? If we reject parts of ourselves, I guarantee you they will come back one way or another. Normally with some added intensity and extra energy, they slingshot right back in. So you push it away, the pendulum's going to make its way right back in. So don't think of your practice as being something that you're, you're, you're trying to realize there is no self. Right? Because it's not accurate. It's not true. Your self is the practice. You are are the practice. So I hope that that's helpful.